0: For the rest of us, let me uh, invite us to continue today working our way through the Torah, working our way through what are the first five books of the Old Testament, working our way through what I am calling the, the Jesus backstory. And today we pick it up with the fifth or the sixth rather, the sixth Parsha. We're taking this the Torah, Parsha by Parsha, and today we come to the sixth Parsha, and so if you have your Bibles, you're invited to turn to Genesis in chapter 25. If you're grabbing a pew Bible, that would be page 18. The words will be on the screen behind me, and I would like to just offer up a prayer, and then we will dive in and see where it takes us today. God, we do thank you for this precious day you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the the deep privilege it is to be able to gather together in your presence. As we dive into your word now, Lord, would you, as always, be in and over and under, and all through my words, give us ears to hear that our hearts might beat with yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we head to the sixth Parsha, what is Parsha Toldot. It actually is a Parsha that runs all the way from Genesis 25 and verse 19 all the way through 28 and verse 9. And as we have been over these past weeks, we are not going to dive into the whole of that text. But again, I want to dive down into just really one verse here primarily today, and then we'll branch out from there. But one verse that I think has really deep significance and meaning for us. And it's right here in this very first line, noting the Parsha begins here. Again at 25 and 19, we read, This is the account of, and then it says the family line. What Jewish scholarship translates as generations, what is Tuldot in the in the Hebrew? And so another reading of this would be something like: These are the Tuldot. These are the generations of Isaac, which is interesting, as Rabbi David Foreman notes, that after that you would expect to hear about his children, but you don't. Instead, we read in the next line, Abraham became the father of Isaac, which is exactly not the generations of. right? And it's not just here. But if we were to, for example, fast forward to Genesis 37 for just a moment, it's there, verse 2, we read, these are the generations of Jacob. And then, interesting, it dives right into a story of Joseph. whose brothers hardly even get get an honorable sort of mention. In fact, it is the pattern that is over and over. Again, from Rabbi Foreman, he says, almost invariably what comes next is not what you would expect. It is not the generations of. It's like, does the Torah not understand what the word toldo means? And of course, the obvious answer is, well, yes, the Torah knows. And so what is it really getting at? What is the Torah getting at by, by speaking of toldo, by speaking of generations in this kind of unexpected way? And I'm so glad you came and asked me that question this morning. <laughs> Because within ancient rabbinic thought, there are a number of what are called laws of interpretation or rules of interpretation, tools of interpretation. And one, simply put, is the comparison of similar expressions, Gavari Shavah. It's this comparison of similar expressions. And interesting, told the similar expression occurs all the way back in Genesis in chapter two. And it's there at verse 4 we read, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Or to put it in more precise language, these are the Toldot. We read there, these are the Toldot. These are the generations of heaven and earth as they were being created. Which is kind of strange, but also, I think, fascinating sorts of, of language. And yet notice, as we go on, yet notice... What is being, we could say, birthed? What is being born? And and even more than that, how? Verse 5, we read, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. Meaning, in other words, it's barren. Right? We could say say there is no, as of yet, there is no offspring. And the reason, we read, is for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth point being there is there is really no life right at this point things are it's it's barren it's barren land verse 6 notice what happens we read then but streams interesting but streams came up from the earth water is rising up and it says over the whole surface of the ground meaning all of it is transformed this water rising up, and all of it is transformed. Right, it, it becomes fertile. It gives life. As Rabbi Foreman puts it, "Why do I need all of this?" But it makes perfect sense. It's the beginning of bringing life to the world, inasmuch as water is the key element that is responsible for all life in a world in which heaven and earth. Our parents. Right, again, it's this idea of the streams are rising up, the water, right, bringing life, giving life. Which is even more interesting if we return back to Parsha Toldot, where we read of a story about Isaac. In fact, it's the only story where really Isaac is the central character in the whole of this Parsha. And it's interesting because it's a story that is often overlooked, and yet it's about water that is, that is rising up from the, the earth. Now, the backstory here, the backstory to the backstory, is that there is a famine in the land, right? In a famine, there is no life, right? A famine is not life, life giving. And God says to. Isaac, I want you to stay where you are. I don't want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to stay in Gerar. And it's interesting because then it's there we read that the Philistines, who are also in the land, Isaac and the Philistines aren't getting along too well. And we read at 25, or rather 26 and 15, we read, so all the wells his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth, which again, just like a famine, right? Filling up a well with earth doesn't bring life. In fact, in fact, it kills it from there. Then we read about, about all sorts of digging going on. And it's interesting because over and over again, we read about, about conflict and division and dispute. We read about hostility and hatred and animosity. By way of example, we look at verse 19, Here it says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Isaac because they disputed with him. Isaac, it's a word that means conflict or division or as we read here, dispute. Verse 21, it says, Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Setna. Setna means hostility and and hatred. But then notice verse 23, From there he, Isaac, it says, went up to 'er Beersheba. In verse 25, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Verse 32, That day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, they said, we have found water. He called it Shiva. Shiva means to, be, to have an abundance, to be overflowing with. It's this kind of in, in, in full measure. And to this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba, which means a well of underground water, right? This watering place. Right, again, it, it is the streams that are, that are rising up, right? The water that is coming up from the earth that is bringing, bringing life. But it's not only physical life. It's also communal life. From Bartolome, he writes, the well is, is a symbol for community. In ancient times, the well was both symbolically and often literally located at the center of the community. From the well, the community, the community draws water, the basic sustenance for life. Metaphorically, the well represented all the social resources of the community that were necessary to endure and thrive. And it's interesting, this is the backstory to Jesus, Jesus himself, right? who, who in and through Jesus comes, comes life. right? This, this idea of water streams, right, bringing life. It flows in and through Jesus. Turn with me just for a moment to the Gospel of John. It's interesting here we get another story of, of a well. And interesting, it's a story that also breaks through all of the, we could say, the Esek, right, all of the, the conflict and the division and the dispute. It breaks through all of the, the Setna, the hatred and the hostility, all of the the sorts of animosity. And Jesus, he steps into all of that, noting here at John 4 and 4, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria, which geographically speaking is true. If you're heading due north up to Galilee, you would travel through Samaria. As scholarship tells us, Jews, in order to avoid Samaritan land, would often travel west, cross the Jordan or travel east, cross the Jordan, head up and cross back. At the same time, it was not necessarily uncommon for Jews to travel through, actually travel through Samaria. Oftentimes they would do so trying to avoid contact with Samaritans. Samaritans were considered to be considered to half-breeds or, or to be a mixed race. And yet here's Jesus. He's traveling through, says Samaria, verse 5. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So Jesus, he's simply stopping at one of the local wells. We can think of Bartalone, right, a symbol for community. We next read, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, in some respects, this is one of the most simple encounters. And yet the gravity is absolutely profound. Noting Jesus here, he is engaging a Samaritan. But not only is this a Samaritan, add to that this is a Samaritan woman, but not only a Samaritan woman, add to that she is a Samaritan woman, we could say of ill repute. She is a Samaritan woman with with no esteem. She is of no esteem. And here is Jesus engaging her about spiritual matters, something that was, was not done. It certainly wasn't done publicly. It's interesting if we read from the Talmud, the Palestinian Talmud, and there's a story about Rabbi Eleazar. He was a f- rabbi from the first century. And in this particular story, a woman comes to him and asks him a question, and he refuses to answer her. His son, who overhears this tries to persuade his dad to answer her, reminding him even of the large contributions that her family has made. But Rabbi Eleazar so strongly believes that, that he says, let the words of the Torah be burnt before being handed over to women. Now, this was not necessarily representative of all Jews. In fact, it was not representative of all Jewish leadership. It was certainly not representative of the view of Jesus. Right? Jesus comes to the well demonstrating this, this welcoming of, of community, this, this, this whole other way, we could say, of being a community together. Again, in, in one simple story, Right, it, it is. It is a simple encounter, and yet the gravity is profound. Jesus, he steps into this, this making this connection with this woman, and, and in, a, in a moment, he breaks down walls of bias and prejudice. In this, in this simple encounter, he breaks down breaks down walls of racial and ethnic, of cultural divide. In this one moment, the simple encounter with the Samaritan woman of no esteem, right? He breaks down walls. He breaks down walls of, of discrimination, gender, age, status. Now, it's interesting. The conversation continues, but I want to kind of wrap this up in a sense, returning back to the story in, in Genesis. Noting here that at verse 12, the woman asked Jesus, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Which is a little bit interesting, and nowhere in Genesis does it say that Jacob dug a well. Nowhere does it say anything about his servants digging a well. Nowhere does it say anything about his giving a well to his to his sons. The text, however, writes... the. Jesuit theologian by the name of Jerome Neri. The text does mention that Jacob bought and then gave Shechem to Joseph, a piece of land, which is the locale of Jacob's well. He continues, the trend of some traditions was not to associate Jacob with any particular well, but to link him with the traveling well tradition. Saying Jacob was 77 years old, When he went forth from his father's house and the well, and the well went with him. Perhaps, perhaps, this is what Jesus meant when he responds to this Samaritan woman in verse 14 when he says, Indeed, the water I give you will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Point being, the well is now you. You are now the well that brings life, that gives life. It is, it is no longer a particular location, right? It, it, is, it is the Jesus life in you that is welling up streams flowing abundant, over overflowing. And in that breaking down the walls. Breaking down the walls of of bias and prejudice breaking down the walls of of racial and ethnic and cultural divide breaking down breaking down the walls of of discrimination then invites us to consider right where where does this story meet meet us Where does the story meet with us? And maybe to consider how and to whom is God calling me to be a living well? You know, for that day we die, we do a living well. But what about a living well? Not just living well. There is that too. But how and to whom is God calling me to be a a living well? In what way is God inviting me to be a flowing stream of life? And then, and then maybe to even get underneath that a little bit. And then we'll spend a little bit of time in stillness together to get at that a little bit. We could we could ask, what barriers have I built that keep me from others? What barriers have I built that keep me from others? What barriers have I built that keep Others from God. What attitudes do I hold that create walls of division? What attitudes do I hold that create walls of division? And we can think of those two ancient wells, right? Esek and Sitna. And again, we can think of conflict and division and dispute and hatred, hostility, animosity, all of that, and we can we can ask how can I be a well of life in places of struggle and despair? How can I I I be a well of life to the one who is in that in the midst of struggle and despair? We read, these are the told of of Isaac. Streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground, becoming in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life.